Did you guys know the root of every pick on this podcast is Greek? Now, now let's think about it here. So we did we did Olympus has fallen, right? Mm-hmm. Mount Olympus mm-hmm. from Greek mythology. Makes sense. We we yeah. did a face in the uh, crowd, Elia Kazan, mm-hmm. of Greek heritage. Yeah. Back back to school, college is Greek for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess because the the Greeks knowledge knowledge a big deal for those guys they love it. And uh, who could forget Tron? Remember those how some guys in Tron were like togas and have uh, the discus. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah, the discus. Oh, it all that's it all. It's all Greek to me. I think you're skipping over some, but yes. <laughs> I hit on the most. I hit on all the most important movies we've covered. The most important yeah. movies we've covered are Olympus Has Fallen, uh, <laughs> Face of the Crowd, Tron, and Back to School. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can I've, fill in the gaps of all of movie history with those four movies. I think you could also just argue that, like, what is the podcast if not the modern version of the Greek Symposium? I, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> And this is the pick. Uh, and we are your hosts, John Otney, Colin Westman, and Sean Lemmy. And this is going to be our last episode for a little while. We're going to be taking a little break. Uh, so, reason to celebrate. We're doing my big fat Greek wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to give that a big hearty opa. Opa! opa. <laughs> Is that okay? Is that cultural appropriation? I don't know. I'm really afraid. Like I, I'm, I keep thinking, like, don't do an impression of the guy. Don't do an impression of the dad. <laughs> it'll just. I mean, if I do it, it'll just sound like Watto or something. Anyways, it'll, it will sound mm. wrong. So, Ooh, yeah. a, st- a Star Wars version of this would be fun. <gasps> What's Watto? He's a toy Darian. My big galactic. Wedding, big fat galactic. Wedding. Yo, okay, no, I got it, I got it. It's got to be my big Gungan wedding, right? Mm, yeah, they, so you can have Boss Nass. Uh, they love to party. Plus, hey, it'd be funny because yeah. it could be Anakin and Padme's unseen wedding. Uh, well, I guess it was seen. We we did see them get married on some other bullshit vacation planet that did kind of look like Greece. Um. But we could totally do it, you know, where Anakin's got to win over her Gungan family because she's, that she's would be from good. Naboo. Yeah, that's her culture. That was probably that was probably filmed in like the Mediterranean somewhere. So yeah, it all checks out. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna talk about my big factory wedding, twentieth anniversary yeah. this year. That'll be fun. Uh, but first, we have our little Uh-oh. picks. Oh, never mind. Excited. Excited. I, you know, I'm getting, I don't know, I've been so not invested in the little picks lately, so I'll go, I'll be quick. Uh, I mean, there's stuff, there's stuff. Um, I guess I'll go with Stranger Things, not that it needs my bump, not like you guys are gonna watch it, uh, but I like it. We tried. I like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like that um, every season is an homage, and I use quotations around that. It feels more like a ripoff of something more popular. I see. Or something yeah, pre-established. Everything anyways. about the show is an homage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, and I, I, I'm sure other people have made the connections, and I, I'm pretty sure they're supposed to be there. Um, because oh, So the first season was kind of like E.T., sort of. Uh, except also with the monster in it. I don't know how that fits in. Second season yeah, was... It was like really scary and a little kid almost dies. Well, I guess a little kid almost dies in E.T. Well, I think Eleven, her story is very much feels like the relationship in E.T., her and Mike. Yeah. Uh, two people compared to aliens, because there's a bunch of little squirmy, wormy guys running around. That one's kind of a looser connection, but that's... I'll take it. The third season was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where there's like... You didn't know who you could trust, and people were like being controlled by upside down creatures. And then this new season is a nightmare on Elm Street because there's this oh. supernatural baddie named Vecna, who's just Freddy Krueger basically. He he, except his thing is it's a little more sweaty. He like goes after kids that have experienced trauma, and then like starts seeping into their hallucinations, and then like kills them to take their life force. Um, and I just so, realized, well, of course that's what they're going for, because Robert England is in this season. So, yeah. Wow. They're not even hiding it. They know what it is. So do you think part two is going to be, like, Dream Warriors? Dream Warriors! I feel like, well, I haven't finished the season. It might be Dream Warriors before it even gets to the end of the season. Uh, I, think it, so, I think it will go that way. What is Dream Warriors? Oh God! We got okay. So, we're watching so Dream Nightmare Warriors. on Elm Street movie. <laughs> yeah, so that's okay. a Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors, written yeah. by Frank Darabont. Okay. Uh, the hook of that movie is it's a bunch of kids who realize that when they're in the dream world, they have powers and they can fight Freddy yeah. Krueger with their powers. <laughs> and of course, okay. Dream Warriors is also the sweet theme song in the movie by Doc and. <laughs> that movie's uh, pretty good I think some people Consider it the best one sometimes And it's got some mm. good actors in it uh, Lawrence Fishburne Prominently featured in that movie Pretty cool mm. uh, I, I like that movie But yeah, Stranger Things um, I mean, the thing is, is like, I always like the kids I'm just usually not invested in all the supernatural shit Because it's Are there kids anymore? I mean, they're teenagers they're teenagers. They're in high school. Okay. okay. Um, I always thought they were good, and I feel like they've become more defined as the show has gone on, which is good. They're they're more they blurred together a lot more for me in the early seasons, and now I feel like they each uh, have their own you know gimmicks and whatnot. Uh, but the supernatural really? does Will have a gimmick? Yeah, uh, he's like a weird uh, kind of like left out loner. He's all sad and shit. <laughs> It's not Doesn't much. It's I mean, it's something. He, he's, he's, he's wet blanket. He's like the Linus of the group. <laughs> Minus the weird, random, biblical scripture stuff that Linus does on occasion. Um, But the supernatural stuff in this season, I do like. I like the Freddy Krueger stuff, because I like Freddy Krueger. And I like that the villain, Vecna, is a guy in prosthetics and not a CGI monster with like eight arms because that always looks like shit. 
It, uh, it looks cool. It's good, good production design. Everyone's talking about how this season prominently used Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill. It's made that song rise to the uh, top of iTunes, which I guess people still use. <laughs> good for her. Yeah, and she's into it. She's like, cool. This is cool. I've, I've heard it on KXB uh, twice over the past couple of weeks. So. You know, that, that does that does remind me. Uh, uh, one of my little picks was just the music of Kate Bush. And Sean was like, maybe she'll have like a comeback. It could finally break through to America. Because I was saying like how she's only kind of like a big artist in the UK. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you predicted it. You saw this coming, Sean. It's happening right She's now. Gotta put her in a TV show. Uh, a modern day prophet, Sean Levy. She's at the top of the Spotify uh, streams chart, yeah. whatever the fuck that is, too. Not bad. <laughs> so I have two two questions for you, John. Yeah. Question number one is: Are you satisfied with David Harbour's return, or has he returned? He's like in progress of returning. That that part is the is the is the least appealing part of the show right now. He's like stuck in Russia. Don't Doing like it. Black Widow. <laughs> Black he's a, I didn't think about that. Uh <laughs> No, no. Just being a prisoner. Okay. Question number two. How are you handling the extremely long run times of every episode? <laughs> I don't really notice it. I mean, usually towards the end, I'll be like, wow, really? 20 minutes? Okay. I mean, it doesn't bother <laughs> me that much. But it's definitely not... They definitely didn't justify it. Um, I think the show just has so many fucking characters that, like... I, I, think, I think that's the reason it's so long. It's because there's so many characters, and also the characters are now split up, like, across different, uh, like, locations. Like, you have some of the kids in Indiana... Some of the kids are in California, and then you have um, Winona Ryder going to, like, Alaska to then try to go to Russia to get David Harbour. Uh, everyone's too spread out. Um, but yeah, it does, still doesn't justify the runtime, so they could definitely cut that back. But yeah, I mean, if you're not watching the show now, I don't think this season's going to be like, well, now I gotta watch. So if you don't really care, you're good. Well, I mean, my thing is now I would have to watch season three. I like season this. three quite a bit. I uh, I like this one quite a bit, too. I'll see how it ends and then I'll uh, compare. But season three is currently my favorite just because, again, the supernatural stuff I found somewhat interesting. Whereas in one and two, like, I guess one, one started strong and then I think ended weak. And then two, which is like, I, I just don't care. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Do you think it's possible that that show suffered because we were watching it together? And so it was like an appointment thing and we had to suffer through it in real time together instead of on our own terms. Maybe. I don't know. Hard, uh, hard to say. I wonder if I'd still feel the same about it if I went back. Now that I like the show more, um, would I be easier on it? Because I've grown to like these characters so much. Mm, hard to say. But people, the people like it. It's, it's keeping the lights on in Netflix. For now. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it's important that we use our little picks to, you know, highlight these pieces of culture that, you know, otherwise will uh, <laughs> will seep through and just go unnoticed. Yeah. Which is why I'd like to use mine to uh, talk about uh, the biggest movie in the world right now, which is Top Gun Maverick. Hey, Sean. Uh, yeah. That's my little pick also. <laughs> I knew it was going to be nice. both of your guys. I could have guessed this a million miles away. Well, I couldn't think of anything else, and it's I mean, funny. you guys are going to talk after a while. Just a little pick it together. Yeah. It's appropriate. It's a good Joint movie pick. to bro out on. <laughs> um, so this was, I think, my one of my most anticipated movies of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we are almost halfway into 2022 and it's finally out um and that is uh, in in no small part thanks to uh significant effort by tom cruise to prevent uh the studio uh which is paramount from either putting it on another service or, or later on their own service uh he uh he really stuck to his top guns and and made it happen so that uh people would come back and see us in the theater to the point where this movie opens with a like with footage of him sitting in a chair being like we did all this work so you could see this in theaters and thank you so much for coming out yeah um, with his uh, new sort of like messy hairstyle I don't know what that is about is he like staring down his late 50s and being like my hair's gotta get messy now um but yeah, it was uh, a real treat to see this in the theaters. Uh, I Obviously, they did put an enormous amount of effort into making this. They trained a bunch of actors to fly fighter jets. Like, I, I can't imagine the meetings that take place. They're like, yeah, I'd like to get Miles Teller and make him buff and also teach him how to fly jets. Well, I, I, I was kind of reading about the process of them shooting. It doesn't sound like... The, the other actors other than Tom Cruise actually got pilot's license. Because I, th- I think the U.S. Navy won't permit non-pilots to fly F-18s or whatever they're flying. As but they should. They're still in those jets with actual military people flying them. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you watch them... Hitting the G's, like and, and like their faces are like <laughs> contorting because of the speed. Like that shit's real, and you know, it was also just funny reading about how it's, it's all of the actors just like threw up like a lot. Like Glenn Powell <laughs> said that it, in a lot of shots of like from him from the torso up, he was holding a bag of his own puke. <laughs> beneath his knees um, but yeah I mean that's what's so great about it is how visceral the the, the flight scenes are because um, Tom Cruise is just a madman he just <laughs> wants to, to push himself as much as possible in the name of entertaining people and I'm here for it he's a weird dude but yeah, I'll still watch think, him be you know, a movie star, at least for now. There's always that caveat of he is the face of a uh, dangerous and deadly cult. Um, 
And if that is if that's your reason yeah. to not see this movie, I totally understand <laughs> it, and that's a good reason to not support him and his movies. Um, sure. And I'm sorry that I am able to overlook it, but he's, I, I, I mean, there's no other movie star like him, and the stuff he makes is uh, really exciting. I mean, I, I think there's a there's a direct path in the stuff he did in the back half of the 2010s that led to this, where. Uh, you know, American Made is basically a movie about him getting to do stunt flying. Mission Impossible Fallout is a movie about him jumping out of airplanes and flying helicopters and, and doing all sorts of stunt flying there, too. It seemed like it was just like using every movie he made as a training exercise to, to make Top Gun Maverick um, as realistic as it could be. Um, and actually, as long as I was talking about the, the politics of it, there is a, a weird a political nature to Top Gun Maverick that's that's kind of um, even more confusing than than the the way that the first Top Gun kind of sidesteps uh, you know like naming the the enemy you know it's always just like an enemy MIG is flying at us and they do that here too we don't know where they are um, and it's it's all very <laughs> weird um, to make this movie about the American military and then like try to not also package that with a political message Uh, I mean I guess there's the inherent message that our military is awesome and it kicks ass to be a part of it which isn't good I mean it does make it a I guess but it also kind of has this (laughs) message of like I don't know most, most of our military people aren't like brave or cutting or competent enough to pull off a mission without the help of a Superman like Tom Cruise, uh, who who is like part of a dying breed in a world that no longer needs soldiers. I don't know. I guess I, I didn't really think of the military aspects too much. I was more <laughs> just like entertained by the the flight sequences and like how it kind of leads into you know some of the the courtier aspects of the first one but also like in a good way yeah like they do another instead of doing a volleyball scene they do a beach uh football uh game where where all the dudes have their shirts off and are looking you know real hot (laughs) it's also very Uh, weird because they do a two football football yeah, it's complete I don't even understand chaos. how that was played. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like the thing I liked about the movie that hasn't been talked about a ton, maybe just because people are afraid of discussing spoilers, is I just really loved how clean the, the narrative was in terms of like action movie storytelling, where... Like, you've got this premise where Tom Cruise is going back to the Top Gun flight school, and he's got to train these young recruits to do this mission, and they keep showing you what the mission is, and they keep doing test flights of, of showing you, like, how difficult the mission is, what their objectives are, what they need to pull off in order to complete it. And so, like, by the time you get there, you know everything that this team has to pull off and also how 
dangerous and impossible it may be for them to pull it off, which makes it like all the more intense. Um, combining that with these these flight scenes, because the fight, like the the air fighting in the first one, is kind of like it's cool, but it, you don't really know what their objective is or what's really going on. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's still like cool that they filmed a movie you know in, in kind of a an analog way like that before cg came along um uh, i would also say this mission walks a weird line where um like colin is saying it absolutely makes sense you know exactly what they're doing but like logistically it to me it never made a good case for why you wouldn't just fly a drone <laughs> over the thing and blow it up yeah or 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 better than that why what supervillain is building this base in a like a volcanic valley between two tall mountains <laughs> the aerial missiles everywhere everywhere yeah no. it, it felt very much like a like james bond mission as opposed to something that would ever happen in the real world yeah but that's cool sure that's a good thing for movies yeah i'd like to see more action movies like this that don't rely on lazy cg special effects but at the same time seems kind of dangerous to make a movie like this so yeah i understand why the these aren't the types of hollywood or types of movies hollywood makes but i wish they did more often so now that this movie's come out What's the likelihood that we're going to get Hot Shots 3? <laughs> I'm going to say 10%. Because I see John Cryer, who I guess... Was he involved in the Hot Shots movie? Yeah, apparently he was in Hot Shots Part 2 also with, uh, with his good buddy, close collaborator Mr. Sheen. Well, anyways, John Cryer okay. tweeted out two days ago, just yeah. saw Top Gun Maverick. Think it's time to reunite with Sheen for Hot Shots Park Trace. So Trace is pretty good. Fingers crossed. That would be a great Netflix original. Actually, lesser than that. Is Crackle still around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something Hoopla of that caliber. original. Hoopla. Yeah. Or what's... You know, I feel like the Weird Al, that new Weird Al movie, mm. is something disappointing. Is it a it's like, original? It's, it's like Roku Channel or something. Yeah, Roku original. <laughs> yeah, that's what this would be. Hot Shots Part Trace. Yeah. A lot of green Who do you screen. get to like, direct it? Like the, the Zuckers and Abrams, I think, are all retired, right? Well, they all had cameos in Winning Time as actors. So, oh. they're still alive. Because, <laughs> you know, they had the making of Airplane oh, in a brief yeah. scene on that show. And they had them play themselves, even though it's like, wow, I don't remember Airplane being directed by these mummies. <laughs> Elderly men. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. Well, hey, maybe this tweet. We we guys we should retweet this, guys. 
<laughs> get some momentum going on this John Cryer tweet. <laughs> Let's crap one oh, hot shots. I liked Part Do. I think I saw it in school. Very educational film. You know, learned a lot. In the pop culture even class. The last time Charlie Sheen was in a movie. <laughs> well, I mean, he's probably been in some like low, low weirdo budget bullshit, right? I, I would think so, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not even aware. So the last that. time I remember Charlie Sheen being in a movie that was like in real theaters uh, was, I think, the second Machete movie. He played the president. Yeah. Okay. Um, so on Wikipedia, it. says his last movie is called Nine Eleven. Uh oh. Uh oh. Who's, yeah. who's he play? <laughs> Good question. Is he firefighter? Uh, Do you guys see yeah. World Trade Center? Nah, I never saw that. Sod theaters. I'm uh, a little curious, I guess. Do you know there's a scene where Nicolas Cage sees an angel? I think you've told me that before. Yeah, because it's, it's the only part of the movie I remember. It's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I don't know, I remember who else is in that. Maybe like Michael Pena or so, something. Is it, I'm just throwing out guesses. I don't remember. Um, World Trade Center. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, Seemed Charlie like Sheen's, something to do. Charlie Sheen's been out of the game. Beyond washed up. Yeah. Also, he's scary. It's funny to think there was a time where him and Tom Cruise were relatively the same level of fame. Close. Uh, yeah, no, pretty much. Probably in I like mean, it's like probably like nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, they're both doing uh, Oliver Stone movies in the. Yeah, I mean Wall, Wall Street 80s. was was eighty-seven, and fourth, one of the Fourth of July was what eighty-eight or nine. Yeah, around there. Like so yeah. yeah, that's fucking weird, dude. Okay, I'm sorry. I've been reading about if Charlie Sheen is anti-vax or not, and it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like he is—he was anti-vax like before COVID, like Jenny McCarthy anti-vax. Yeah. Yeah. But now he's like he like says he believes in science and he wears a mask. So I'm not sure if he's COVID vaccinated or not, but it seems possible. That, that's uh, he also yeah. is a Republican. But he hates Donald Trump. <laughs> Says he's a charlatan. It's always it's always a little nice that that group of Republicans that hates Trump, like uh, like yeah. Schwarzenegger. People who actually know him. People that know him. He's like a crazy person, though. I think he, he, Clint just... Eastwood. I don't think a fan of Trump. Uh, he should have put him in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't. Th I think he kind of regrets doing that, right? So he's probably not gonna do it again. It'd be a broken chair, though. All right, right. Because he, he's so, because he's so fat. So fat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I've been looking for the past couple of minutes for the transition into my big fat Greek wedding, and uh, <laughs> sorry to <laughs> lead you astray. No, no, no. I'm the one that started talking about hot shots. Yeah. That's I guess that's true. a comedy. Maybe I thought it would lead to this. Uh, it's tough sure. because My Big Fat Greek Wedding isn't really a movie with a lot of um, big stars. It's It's got a lot of TV people mm -hmm. in it. 
Um, it was directed by a TV director, and it's co-produced by HBO Films. Uh, I never got confirmation on this, but I was trying to find out if this was always intended to be theatrical, or if there is a point where this was going to be like an HBO original movie. Uh, but I, I couldn't find that information. Just interesting. I don't usually see the H HBO Films logo. <laughs> Yeah. Along with Tom Hanks' goofy-looking Playtone logo. Uh, yeah. Remember, Playtone was the name of the record company in uh, That Thing You Do. I do. Yeah, that's fun. I, do I was I looking up what other movies they did, and it's mostly Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> yeah. There's a few other things in there. I mean, I saw that Nia Vardalos later co-wrote... Um... Larry Crown with Tom. Isn't Hanks. she in it too? I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Larry Crown. How come I didn't see Larry Crown? He's got a moped. Because <laughs> no one saw Larry yeah. Crown. Going back to school. I mean, we saw Charlie Wilson's War, though I feel like that had a lot more prestige going for it's it. It's got a. Yeah, it's got the nickels and Sorkin cred. Yeah. I mean, way, yeah, way more prestige than a Tom Hanks back. <laughs> Cool situation. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about my big fat Greek wedding. So this was initially a one-woman play back in um, Nivardalis' from I believe, Winnipeg. And she performed this one-woman show, which makes a lot of sense. This really does feel like this could be a show where it's like, and my dad, he used to say these crazy things. It has that vibe to me, so it's very like anecdotal. Mm -hmm. So I could imagine it being—I could imagine it working. I think better as that because I got some issues with this movie, uh, even though I only rated it a half star lower than you guys. <laughs> I got some problems with this movie. I think this movie needs some serious punch ups. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna. I know I'm going. I'll let me finish my background and then I'll tell you my my main problem with my big factory wedding. So Nia Vardalos uh, is is put on this show. It's it's a hit. It gets the attention of a lot of Hollywood executives, and then eventually it gets the attention of Rita Wilson, uh, who of course is Greek herself, and she loved it. And she told Tom Hanks about it, and he saw it, and then he loved it. And they're like, we should try to acquire this. Uh, Nia Vardalis did take some other meetings, but most of the other studios and producers she met with wanted to make big changes like, oh, it should star Marissa Tomei. And another note was like, what if the family was Hispanic? And it's like, at that point, like, you're not even, what are you even making? You're not even making it at all. It's called my big fat Greek wedding. And it's like, but what if they weren't Greek? It's like the whole thing. Yeah. So, didn't want to do that. So she went with Playtone because they're like, you. I think you should be the star. That's your story. It's your life. Uh, it's based on her real experiences. She is married to a man who is not Greek. So she went through a similar situation. Her husband is actually in the movie. He's the guy who plays John Corbett's best friend, the bald guy. Oh, nice. That guy. <laughs> Which is funny. Ian Gomez, because like, that guy's just like a very like kind of schlubby looking normal guy, and John Corbett's such like a super hunk. So to have your actual <laughs> husband be the best friend of the super hunk who you get to be with, yeah. I found that super funny. 
Um, I think Ian Gomez, yeah, he's like uh, he's uh, like Russian Jewish Puerto Rican. Um, I'm not sure if they ever say what John Corbett is, uh, what his like ethnic background in this movie is supposed to be. One of my one of my issues with this movie, I'll get more into that. But my main issue, well, for the most part, I think this movie's fine. I think it's I think it's sweet, it's charming, I like the cast. I think most of the performances are pretty good. But my problem. And I want to see where you guys weigh in on this. I don't think this movie, at least for me, lands a single joke. <laughs> I didn't laugh. Were there any parts of this oh. movie that you guys were like, I like that. That's funny. Uh, I would say yes. Okay. Uh, almost all of them are scenes with Andrea Martin, though. Uh, yeah. I think the funniest scene is her sitting down with his parents and talking about the weird tumor she had that turned out to be her twin. Right. Yeah, yeah I remember. That's pretty funny. Okay. You remember that? That was funny. I remember it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying yeah. I didn't find it funny. Um, well, I yeah, just like... I, 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 I didn't know I was supposed to be keeping score, so I can't think of it <laughs> but I think I chuckled a, a, a few times. Like, I, I, I know what you're saying. Like, it's, there aren't a ton of, like, huge laughs in the movie, which obviously you want from a kind of wacky romantic comedy. Yeah, you want someone to put on a fat suit and fart real hard. My, my thing is, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's what I want. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to get your Jim Carrey to play the dad in a fat suit and fart. He's gonna talk with his butt. Uh, this baklava's backing me up. My, my, I think my thing is, I feel like this movie set up situations that had a potential, but a lot more potential for jokes, even little throwaway things. I mean, I want to get more into it as I get further along in the plot, but I mean, just off the top of my head. There's like a throwaway joke where John Corbett mentions he's a vegetarian. I feel like that could have been a whole scene. And it should have been with the dad where he's just grilling on him. He's like, what? What do you mean you don't eat? You like, you don't eat beef? You don't eat lamb? You don't eat chicken? There's, there's the whole so many jokes you could have gone through with that. But instead it's a throwaway they, joke. They serve him the monkey heads from Temple of Doom. Okay. You see... <laughs> No, this isn't what I want. I don't want this fat suit. I don't want the monkey heads thing. I'm not I'm not talking about going that far. I'm not talking about going that broad. The scene where she uh, she gets up and she's got her headset on and knocks her over and she falls down. Instead, she should rip it out of the wall and then this calls like a Rube, like a whole Rube Goldberg thing to happen and the whole building collapses. Okay, see, that sounds interesting. <laughs> that sounds very interesting. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm sure a couple scenes will come up where I'll, I'll share with you, like, what my punch-up would have been, or my notes. Um, I'll kind of loosely go through the plot here a little bit. I wasn't really prepared to, uh, but I got the Wikipedia open. I can kind of, I can kind of guide my way through this. Uh, so this is one of those kind of, like, going through the whole state, like, a wide span of time relationship movies like i guess when harry met sally is the most successful version of that where like because we got i didn't realize going into this movie that it was going to start with them not even knowing each other to dating to being married yeah. it's got a lot of ground to cover in like 90 uh, yeah minutes. i would say that's the big twist to me is that the wedding is like a scene 
It's like an it takes like an hour to get to the wedding or something. It's like (laughs) fifteen minutes, ten minutes of wedding. Where maybe that should have been the whole movie. Maybe they should have already known each other. Because I'm not sure if their meet cute story. I'm not really sure if there's that much to that story. Um, but anyways, we have we have our lead, Nia Dallas. She plays Tula, and she talks about her past, uh, growing up in a house with like pillars. It's like a mansion. It's like a temple. So I guess they're super rich. I I, I don't know. I, that was my thinking. They had a giant house. <laughs> I think my takeaway was they were able to get a good deal on it because no one else in the neighborhood wanted it. I mean, come on. It didn't, ha- it, didn't have those, it didn't have those Greek columns. Yeah, they definitely added that. Definitely added that. Um, really all uh, we see in this yeah. flashback of her growing up is kids making fun of her for having weird food. And then I would say, in my opinion, the most successful recurring bit... Um, I don't know if it's funny as much as I just think it's interesting is what I opened this podcast with where Michael Constantine's character is constantly talking about the origin of every word or is Greek. That was interesting to me. That's a fun little tidbit. I could use a little more of that. I, I almost feel like this whole flashback sequence could have more detail because there's so much I don't know about Greek culture and I feel like I didn't learn that much. Like, I learned that her family is crazy, but lots of people's families are crazy. I would have liked to learn a little more about the culture. Um, but he's fun. Fun dad. Uh, and she she grows up to be very timid and shy and not outgoing at all. And working in their restaurant, which uh, I guess makes enough money so they can live in a mansion with Greek columns. And just on a whim, buy another house. Buy another house for the end of the movie. Just got that money. Uh, yeah, that was insane. Um, I can't really think of anything worth noting until she meets Ian John Corbett with his long locks. He's a teacher with a not as handsome best friend, <laughs> and he likes Tula because. I guess he's just attracted to her, right? I don't I don't remember if they have any kind of meaningful connection in their first interaction. Well, they don't, and it's and he doesn't even remember her until she reminds him that she worked there. Because remember she has a whole um glow up once she starts going to college. Right. She like, starts wearing contacts and she does her hair better. What now did she get inspired to make these changes because she found out he like why? Well he's because she found out he's a teacher and she's like, I should get more education. No. Oh, it's because she's she's chasing her dreams. She's she's in a better place. She's not stuck in the restaurant anymore. She's got the new job. I just I'm trying to remember she's, what she's the trigger was school. to that though. What was the impetus to be like? Okay, well, there's now also a lot of change. emphasis on like her parents being like, "Oh, you're 30 and you're still single." Like, oh god, how did that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> eh, I mean, I don't care. We're all we're all old. We're You're all too damn old. old. <laughs> we're all too we're all fucking old. Interesting that Nia Verdalis was like forty when she made this movie. Women don't get to age down like that that much in movies. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, 
I'm glad that she Normally they cast them. someone who's 22 to play 30. Yeah. Well, they wanted to get Marissa Tomei, who I feel like is probably the same age, maybe older. Oh, interesting. Uh, but that wouldn't have worked. No, this is the better decision. But yeah, she uh, she goes to school. She gets her glow up where she stops wearing glasses because those are for nerds. She learns about computers to help the business in some way that we never see. Cause... Well, the yeah, it's interesting because she says that the the dad has a problem like keeping track of all their orders and bills and stuff. But then she uses her skills to get a job. He can't be having that much place. trouble with finances if he figured out how to buy another house. Oh yeah, well maybe he's actually in financial ruin. <laughs> His Lots life is in ruins, just like mm-hmm. Neil Vardalis' other movie. I wonder if this is part of the plot of the second one, because that would be post recession. <laughs> um, maybe they maybe they have to like lose the house and move back into the mansion. Oh, I sincerely doubt they're doing anything that heavy in my big fat Greek <laughs> wedding too. <laughs> Which we watched the trailer of before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because many years ago we saw that trailer in a theater and there was a joke in that trailer that made a woman laugh more than I've seen anyone laugh in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that we watched the trailer and uh, we were like, is, was that is that the joke? Was that it? <laughs> Still not sure. Clearly this uh, this this goofy family stuff uh resonates with certain people so that's that's good that's a good Mm -hmm. thing uh i'm glad i'm glad that lady liked that joke so much that was fun uh but yeah she gets good at computers but then she starts working at uh a travel agency which i want to say that business is maybe owned by a relative or is connected in some way to the family so she's not entirely deserting the family she's just also it's also like next door, right? It's also next door. Yeah, in Chicago. So this movie is Chicago, even though she is from you know, more of the uh, Toronto area. Um, yeah, in Chicago. And I, I, I just sees uh, Ian like through the window one day. Buying a uh, street burrito. Buying a Interesting street, choice, street I think. burrito. <laughs> And he likes her. And either that, or he brought his burrito to a hot dog cart. He's like flexing it. Can I trade? <laughs> Can I get some mustard? Here's the fun thing where he's like, "Look, I'm gonna walk, and it's gonna look like I'm walking downstairs because I'm on the other side of this window." Mm-hmm. And that's Austin very Powers charming. That too. I know. And he runs into a lady, and she beats the shit out of him. Rightfully so. You don't know what he's doing. Yeah. He's a mess. <laughs> Fucking mess. Not that I don't know. Maybe he's got some dark secrets. I kept saying um, uh, to myself, I guess <laughs> that like every time we like see his family, I'm like, dude, he's probably like in some sort of American Psycho situation. I just feel like I just get a vibe from him. These are actors he hires over and over. <laughs> There's something about that guy that I don't trust. Not that we ever really get to know that much about him, because here's another little issue I have with this movie. I don't yeah. feel like him and Tula ever talk about anything other than the fact that she's Greek. Like, I don't really see what their connection is. I guess he likes her sense of humor. 
but I feel like all John, I talk about is that she's 30, Greek. If you're 30 and you find someone you like looking at, you got to just settle. It's that simple, yeah. huh? Just two nice people who get along. I just feel like, and I, maybe it's not fair to compare this to like a classic, but I think of like a movie like when Harry met Sally, I feel like the conversations are so much more in depth about the nuances of yeah. of life and relationships. And I feel like all they ever talk about is he's like, I'm Greek, you know. It's like, you're Greek? I can't even think about what else they talk about. I'm just being surprised about it. We never even learn what he is. I mean, it's sort of a, a inverse of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, where he just exists to help her get over her insecurities. He's I guess. Perfect I guess so. He's there to help. Okay, so I want to talk about their, their date scene, because here's how I would have reworked the script uh, into what I think would have been a funnier situation. All right. So they, they go on a date, right? And they're at dinner, and he's saying, hey, you know what we should do tomorrow night? Because he's making plans for the next dinner while they're at dinner. He's like, we should go to that this Greek restaurant I know about. And, and she's like, oh, that's my family's restaurant. It's like, what? That was your family? Okay, here's my rewrite. <laughs> First of all, it's weird that they're talking about going to dinner while they're at dinner. And they're talking about doing it the next night. It would have been way better if at the tourism agency office, he would have been like, let's go to dinner at this Greek place. And she's too embarrassed to say that that's where she works and they're her family, like, that's her family's business. And then she goes mm. in disguise or something, you know, like sunglasses. Yeah. Here comes the fat suit. <laughs> no, no, stop reading my movie. She wears sunglasses. And she, like, tries to pretend like she doesn't know them or something. A, a way funnier, more awkward situation. I mean, more ridiculous, but, like, uh, you know, put yourself in an awkward situation. Have some jokes. Instead of avoiding that situation entirely and just talking about it. You know. Um, that would, I guess, do a better job setting up the uh, the tension in the movie between her and her father. Um if it was like she's actually trying to escape her heritage uh, as opposed to what the actual tension is in the real movie, which is she just wants to marry someone who's not Greek and he is racist. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's just... They, they, uh, the stakes need to be higher here. They're not high enough. This isn't that. This doesn't feel that much more dramatic than anyone's life, like yours or mine. Like I, this isn't my favorite movie. Actually, I don't like really even like this movie. But I feel like Meet <laughs> the Parents at least you know puts you in these tough situations whoa, whoa, whoa. with another family. What Meet the Parents is one of the great comedy. Films okay, the well there you go. I mean, most people <laughs> like that movie. It's a fucking trilogy, so clearly something's working there. <laughs> Blake, that that's a movie I feel like that has stakes for the relationship. I never feel like this relationship is in any danger or that the family is really going to drift apart in any way. Or um, in reverse, it feels like at any moment, uh, Ian could be like, alright, this is too much, I'm out. He never even gets close to feeling like that. He's always like on board. Even in the scene where he finally meets her father and he's like, 
You're like, don't, don't date my daughter. And then he's like, oh, okay, but I will, though. He still does. <laughs> Just that one scene. That's the most dramatic scene of the entire movie. There's not even, like, a, a scene near the end where they have to have, like, a meaningful talk. Like in... Um, yeah. Encanto had that scene where they had to have the meaningful talk near the end of the movie. Like, this doesn't even have that. Like, we don't know what his living situation is. So, we like, the gift of the house, we don't know how meaningful it is. Like, we, we know that she's uncomfortable because she still lives with her parents and she's 30. But, like, for all we know, he has a lovely loft downtown. Or play it for comedy and make him be, like, a messy, more kind of artistic guy who has, like, some weird fucking loft that he shares with, like, five people and is, you know, just some contrast or something I, I don't know no matter what john i agree he's in a loft because <laughs> <laughs> she lives this sheltered life i think it would have been a nice contrast if he was more of a free wild spirit yeah because uh, she did grow up uh and she is kind of a nerd and he's i don't know i guess cool uh, he's seems a nerd. cool no he's a nerd he's, <laughs> he's a teacher he's too handsome to be a nerd <laughs> He's got long like flowing Indiana locks. Jones. He's like 6'5". Oh, is he secretly Indiana Jones? <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, yeah. This is, when he's not there, no. he's in ancient temples. Imagine <laughs> that sequel. He shows oh, up man, in uh, in the Neobardalis movie My Life in Ruins in one of the ruins <laughs> as his character Ian Miller looking for the, uh, I don't know, like Poseidon's Triton or something. <laughs> why uh, why'd you go with triton instead of trident that's i couldn't remember the word okay well triton's another uh god i think yeah no you're I, you're right i uh i just couldn't remember trident is the thing see, aquaman has see, but that's... aquaman isn't this isn't actually a trident because it has like five prongs okay see that's another thing this movie should have taught me more about about Greek culture. Uh, really, all I got were those fun little tidbits about words. Um, I guess there is that nice moment in the wedding where he says, "This is something about like their family name means like apples, and his means oranges, something to that extent, or vice versa." Um. Okay, so 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 back to where we were. They're dating. They have a dating montage where they keep making out in his car. She never wants to go back to his place. I don't know. I guess she she's fearful of of straying from her family, even a little bit. Even spending the night at his place because she still lives at home. She doesn't want to uh, create any kind of rift, so she's playing it super safe. Um. Meanwhile, her parents keep trying to hook her up with Greek guys. Which okay, we get we get a montage of. Uh, hideous men, but who are, who are Greek that her father wants to set her up with. You know, they're like bald or they're not. There's anything wrong with that. I just mean like they're old and they're greasy or they're just weird, weird looking men. And it's like, oh, I don't want to be with those guys. But like, why couldn't we have just gotten one extended scene with one of those guys instead of a montage of those guys where we're just judging them based off of their appearance? You know, I would have liked one scene with one of these suitors. Maybe one that is handsome, but is like uh, not a good dude. You know, to add like another layer of depth there. Uh, 
Or like, why does Michael Constantine's character, Gus, why is it so important to him that the guy is Greek? Like, I get that that's their heritage, but like, what is it about being Greek that he values? I don't know. It's his whole identity. Yeah, I don't know. He Some needs... guys are just like that. But it's like, just they're weirdly uh, proud of their heritage, even if it's but like proud a of they because they're because Greek people are more smart. Or I guess I guess he doesn't need he doesn't need a a deep ex- reasoning for that. Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna get a psychological evaluation of his <laughs> <laughs> love of his own culture. <laughs> I mean, I guess this is based is. on what actually happened to Nia Vardalos, so I guess this is just how it happened. This is exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's trying to hook up all these these gross guys, but that ain't working. Um, eventually, he just proposes. Yeah, I don't really remember if there's anything special or, or what leads to that just happens. It's, it's kind of hard to follow the timeline of this movie, <laughs> which is fine. You know, I guess it, it I think it's after the, she, she meets his parents for the first time. That he right. Him. And his parents are just so uh, waspy, I guess. Very uptight. Yeah. Like cartoonishly uptight. Yeah, like but uh, not not cartoonish enough. I'm not cartoonish enough. Where are the fat suits? <laughs> they should have a. They should have monocles. Mon- oh, they my. should. <laughs> be dressed in ball gowns and tuxes. Yeah. They should be stuffy '80s sports movie villains. Make them talk about all their famous friends and political connections, and yeah. I want to see how this relationship damages their reputation. Mm. Like, I want them to also like. They don't seem to care as much. They're not really as invested. I mean, I guess they're slightly weirded out when they meet Tula's family because they're like cooking lamb in the yard, and then they like <laughs> do they drink that. Yeah liquor that makes them trip balls <laughs> I think they need to be more mean they're yeah yeah that could have been a whole uh, birdcage thing right they could have been I was just G- thinking of the birdcage and, and Diane Weist yeah also get someone who's better like I know this movie was just you know a smaller cast not as big big names but like these parents are not particularly memorable. Uh, but yeah, they they show no resistance. Ian shows no resistance. He, he he's willing to get baptized. Mm-hmm. It's not like he has any issues with that. I don't know. Maybe he should have had been more firm in whatever his faith was, and it would be a harder decision for him or something. Or like he's like, I don't know. Like I love you, but I don't know if I can let down my parents because uh, we're this or whatever. Um, no. He's cool with he's cool with every single thing that happens. <laughs> I don't remember him being ups- that upset in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Just an agreeable nice guy. 
God, I don't really. There's a wedding later. <laughs> In like the last yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah, you know, as you would expect. <laughs> um, the mom. I haven't talked about the mom yet, really. Uh, Lainey Kazan as Maria, who isn't really as overbearing as I thought she would be. She seemed pretty normal to me. I mean, same kind of attitude was like, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's some big deal about some sort of wedding crown or something. Oh, there's also a grandmother who's always wandering around who seems to have a really serious case of PTSD. Yep. Uh, but it's played for laughs. Uh, she still thinks like some sort of war is going on or something. She's always wandering around. I guess that's a recurring gag. I don't know if it worked for me, but it's it's uh they're doing something there. Oh, that was another time I chuckled. Is there's a there's a shot um, where uh, Tula's looking out the window and she sees the grandma like trying to sneak out, and then the sprinklers get turned on. Okay, and stops her. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, aside from her, uh, her dad, I feel like her family is fine. I feel like there's not, I like, I don't feel like her mom's as judgmental. I feel like her brother is incredibly supportive. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's like, you inspired me. I'm going to study painting, which I guess he was into. (laughs) Uh... But he's also breaking Ian's balls by making him say embarrassing things in Greek. Oh, yeah. He's making him say, like, nice boobs or, or something. And he's also like, I'll kill you if you, you know, leave my sister. And he's got his boyfriend, Joy Fatone, helping him out with that. Joy Fatone, who... Probably the worst performance in this movie. Though he doesn't really do anything, but... I can see why he hasn't acted much since this. <laughs> He's not even Greek. Did you know that? I think you're being a little harsh. I think he's fine for a recurring background character. No, basically. no, he's not. Even, he's not even Greek. Okay. There had to have been tons of Greek actors that they could have got. Hmm. I'm, Goog- I'm googling Greek actors. I mean, I think it, yeah, it just seems like casting where they were like, well, we got to do as much as we can with our budget, and one thing we can do is get a really famous guy in this who will do it for cheap because he doesn't act ever uh they could have got tommy lee (laughs) from botley in 2002 (laughs) it seems very distracting okay here we go here we go chris chris uh diamond topolis russ hanneman from silicon valley um yeah yeah you could have got him in 2002 yeah, 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 he's probably working. But he's not famous. Um, uh, he was in two movies before this <laughs> that don't have Wikipedia pages. Yeah, yeah he wasn't in the biggest <laughs> boy band in America. Uh, Colin, he was in an episode of Law and Order <laughs> as Chris Wilson. So, so, is, so is literally every New York actor <laughs> on the face <laughs> of the earth. He's not special in that regard. Alright. I guess you gotta get Joy Fatone to get the young people in. Yeah, it's something. 
That said, I don't think this this movie did get the young people in. I know it was a hit, but I think exclusively <laughs> mm. with older people. Yeah, I think that's where its success happened. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay, yeah, so the movie they get they get very happy, uh, good times. Apples and oranges. They have a daughter. Uh, she's gonna go to Greek school. They, the house the dad buys is right next to his house, which is pretty yeah, weird. Classic, but I guess uh, just I guess setting, that's funny. Sure, setting sure. up the plot of Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, yeah. they did uh, make so, a TV show. I assume it's basically just like Everybody Loves. Yeah, Raymond. it's like seven episodes, but yeah, they did. Everyone returned, but John Corbett. It's, it's too big. That's rough. Literally. It feels like it should should have died in the water if they couldn't get the co-lead. Yeah, I I, I looked it up and I don't don't even remember. The the co-lead they did get wasn't someone I've ever heard of. So maybe they thought this would be his breakout, but I guess not. Yeah, I wonder what John Corbett was doing after. That was such a big deal. I don't know. He does a lot of random. He was doing Sex in the City. Um, just, he's done I was a lot of TV. Raising Helen. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. A lot of. Uh, Hudson movie. I, I I feel bad. This didn't catch on as a TV show. I mean, obviously never saw it, but it seems tailor made for a TV show. I mean, Michael Constantine, yeah. uh, kind of a legendary TV actor in the seventies. Um, I think he's got a handful of Emmys. Um, he's all—he's very good in Snoopy. He's always good. Um, I know him best as the villain from Thinner. Uh, uh, Stephen yeah. King's Thinner, where he plays a Romani shaman named Tadzu Lemke, who goes thinner. Good performance, bad movie. Um, don't believe he actually has this accent, though he is Greek. So they nailed it. Whereas I don't think the mom, I don't think Lainey Kazan is actually Greek. Um, and she's got a Golden Globe nomination for My Favorite Year. Richard Benjamin movie. She's also on St. Elsewhere for many years. Um, but yeah, the, the success of this movie. I think I read something like it, uh, until the movie Sing, it was the most successful movie that was never number one at the box office. It was just oh, this. It was just this sleeper hit that was just in theaters for like forever. And uh, let me get some of the numbers here because they're pretty impressive. Um, so five million, five million dollar budget, grossed over three hundred sixty-eight million worldwide. Fifth highest grossing film of two thousand two domestically. I think internationally it was like nine. It was still pretty good. And uh, where's there was one statistic on here that I found very funny. The film is among the most profitable of all time, with a six thousand one hundred and fifty percent return <laughs> on a cost of six million. What a percent! Oh, Over yeah. six thousand. Uh, props to them. But yeah. why? Why do you guys think it did do so well? Well, N- not entirely sure. We were talking about nine eleven before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> America, America just wanted needed to, laugh. to feel good. <laughs> needed to feel good. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like this was 
the height of romantic comedies. People were hungry for them. And, I mean, I think it did, does help to a certain extent when a romantic comedy is actually from, like, a female perspective. Because women are kind of the audience for romantic comedies. Uh, but still, even, I mean, like, her Nora Ephron was making these types of movies, but none of her movies were quite this big. Maybe it is the family dynamic that people found relatable on, on top of the appeal of a, a light, <laughs> breezy romantic comedy. I also wonder, too, um, if the fact that it's um, kind of exploring a different culture appealed to people. Because I think of, um, you know, a few years ago, Crazy Rich Asians was a pretty big hit. And I wonder if people are, are just interested, you know, people maybe of that cultural background, but also people that are, are, you know, feel like seeing this kind of movie will make them more cultured. So I feel like there's yeah. a, a deeper aspect there as well. There's, there's a little subgenre there, too. Movies like uh, The Big Sick. Um, I know there's that upcoming Easter Sunday, the the... The Joe Coy movie. Yeah, that that's a movie that I could feel like could either be a pretty decent hit or could just not exist. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll find out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's tough. It's tough for any comedy to do well in a theater now. Jesus. Good luck. I feel like we were kind yeah. of um, a while back. I don't think this is on podcast. This is an off podcast. We were kind of talking about like how the 90s and early 2000s were weird and unpredictable. And I feel mm -hmm. like it was only a few years after this where we were looking at the top 10 and they were all either sequels or remakes or just franchise movies. So this was c pretty close to the end of yeah, when something the, like the, this. Yeah. So the top 10 of 2002, Two Towers, Chamber of Secrets, Spider-Man, Attack of the Clones, Men in Black 2, 007 Die Another Day, um, and then Signs, which I don't know if you want to count Shyamalan as its own it's brand. A, it's a brand, still, sort of. That's still, yeah. That's six, six, the, the top mm. six movies are all sequels. Um, and then My Big, Big Fat Greek Wedding's down there at number nine. Right Along above Ice Age Minority Report, Report. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm also I'm just looking at what came out in 2002 as far as romantic movies, and it's not great. Like you've got a walk to remember way back in January, um, 40 days and 40 nights came out uh, in March. I don't really remember what that movie's deal is. Uh, Kissing Jessica Stein, I don't remember at all. Uh, the sweetest thing. With uh, Cameron Diaz, it looks like, came out a week before My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So, I mean, if this was what you were looking for, like, it, it was, uh, there was not a lot until this movie came out. Meanwhile, there's plenty of dumb movies, like National Lampoon's Van Wilder, <laughs> uh, Ali G movie, uh, all sorts of dumb comedies. Slackers. Slackers. You guys remember Slackers? Sure, sure. Not really. Actually, 
maybe not. <laughs> Is that the one with, uh, with with Big Pete from Pete and Pete? No, I'm thinking of something else. What am I thinking of? Slackers. Yeah, I saw Slackers. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> Wait, did I? No. What am I thinking of? What's the Jason Lee movie with Tom Green? Oh. Uh... <laughs> Stealing, Stealing Harvard. Stealing Harvard. <laughs> yeah, Slackers, yeah. this is... Um, you said Slackers, right? Do you do Slackers? Slackers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is... Um, yeah, Michael Morona from Pete and Pete. I don't know why I said Danny. <laughs> Seemed right. <laughs> Michael Morona's the one on the poster who's holding the, the, the degree where the someone has written over it in Sharpie <laughs> that says, when all else fails, cheat. It's like the one time he was in a movie. Hmm. Otherwise, I just knew him from Pete and Pete. Devin yeah, I've Sawa. Se- I've seen the poster of this movie, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> hmm. Future pick. Slackers. Yeah, this looks bad. This doesn't even look know. like fun. Yeah. The thing is, I didn't like American Pie, so I don't know how I'm ever going to like the movies that are ripping off American Pie. <laughs> you don't want to watch Road Trip? I mean, that's, that's probably the one to watch, I would guess. Remember, Road Trip came up in our Basic Instinct podcast because it's in the top ten of uh, scripts that sold for a huge amount of money. Mm. <laughs> so it must be good, right? Uh, it's got Tom Green. Maybe. Wait, yeah, is that Euro our, Trip? Our guy. I, think I don't fucking know. All these movies fucking suck anyways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, why, this is why, why my big fat Greek wedding was a hit. Because <laughs> yeah. we put out a lot of crap in the early 2000s. There's a lot of crap in there. A lot of crap. So even to get something, I know I was a little hard on it, but I mean, it's 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 hearts in the right places. It's a sweet movie. It's well acted. Uh, it did get an Academy Award nomination for original screenplay. Honestly, my takeaway from this is why didn't I? Why haven't I seen uh, Nia Vardalos more? She's good. Uh, well, you already answered that. She was a woman in her forties. Mm, yeah, it's too bad though, because the story of her getting making this a success is pretty inspiring. Just hustling, mm. she's going to like Greek Orthodox churches to spread the word of her her play. Mm. Um, and then even then, she didn't jump at the first deal for this movie. She's like, "We if we're going to make this a movie, we got to make it right. Uh, so she's she got a lot of integrity. It seems like she did get to make a fair amount of movies. A few that she wrote, a few that she acted in. But it seems like most of them were not that well received. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably just, just like, a few. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes someone just has like one one good story in them and they get to tell it and it's we should maybe do a follow-up yeah we should maybe watch lady crown for thanksgiving right <laughs> that might be fun yeah yeah I'm maybe, maybe she co she co-wrote it she's yeah. in it um as a cameo she's like a, she's a map genie so it sounds like she's the voice of some sort of map navigation thing mm-hmm. her husband's in it as well and uh, so is chet hanks uh, famous douchebag. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Brian Cranston as the dean. Could be fun. Uh, I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just thinking about how Chet Hanks was on an episode of Atlanta this season. 
which was mm, I gotta watch. And no one's bizarre. talking about Atlanta. Is it still good? Uh, it's still pretty good. Okay, it's, it's a single thing. Interesting. I, I mean, I haven't quite finished the season, but I've gotten through most of it. All right. Um, Big Fat Greek Wedding. Nice little movie. Uh, f- kind of fun to dive into that phenomenon because for many years I'm like, what's the deal with that? We, we got to the bottom of what the deal was. Yeah. We, we made a deal. It's all We made a deal. It's all Greek to me. All right, guys. I have a special segment that I put more in, more work into than I did for my prep for talking about my big fat Greek <laughs> wedding. Yeah, I didn't uh-oh. mean I didn't mean for that to happen, but it just happened because weird like that. that um, I thought we could end this season or whatever you want to call it with some trivia about this podcast. I thought that would be fun because we put in a good amount of episodes, and there I, I think there's enough to do some trivia. And I thought the prize could be whoever wins gets the first pick in the Criterion Draft. <laughs> the stakes have never been higher. Dude, and like then, that. and then the other person would would still get the second pick, and then I'll get the third, just because um, I started and ended this season of the pick. Uh, but I have I have ten questions, so if you guys tie. I think I should get the first. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> but I, I don't think say, you will. I was going to say, what if one person does really badly? Then yeah. you deserve to go ahead. But... <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. It's just for fun. We've done trivia before. It's always just good fun. Um, I know we did We did Sopranos <laughs> uh, and Martial Arts. Sean won those. Colin won Tom Hanks. Trivia. And we always have a good time. And this one... Yeah, it'll it basically it'll just be you guys guessing until you get it. All the uh, the answers are just episodes that we've done. Okay. Um, basically, the format um, is I'll give you the question. Uh, whoever shouts it out and gets it right first gets the point. Um, if neither of you get it, I'll give you a clue, and then we'll just keep doing that until somebody gets it. But I don't think maybe there's only one or two questions that I think we'll take. Multiple clues. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so I'm gonna. I'm trying to think if you should shout out. No, I think I don't think you guys are gonna get them that fast. So I don't think I think Uh-oh. you'll shout out the, uh, the the film or or, or, or the, well here. Let's try. The, I think the first one is pretty easy. So mm-hmm. as soon as I finish, someone can give a guess. Okay, my first question for the pick trivia quiz: What is the oldest film we have covered. Um, I would guess The Invisible Man. There you go. Colin got it. The Invisible Man, 1933. Uh, our oldest know. movie by... The next oldest movie is 24 <laughs> years later. Okay. Yeah, it's like I can't even think of anything in the same ballpark. I, I don't think like we'll ever cover anything that old. Yeah. So there you go. Point Colin. Yeah. Uh, that one's pretty easy, though. Some of these other ones will take more guesses. Okay. Like this one. What do you guys think is the most covered year on this podcast? Mm. You just start shouting out years one at a time until someone gets it. I don't know. Whatever you want to do it. 
1992. Oh, Sean nailed it with a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> 1992. Basic Instinct. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Candyman Sneakers. Universal Soldier. Damn. Well done. I'm amazed that you got that so fast. I would have guessed. I probably I have guessed a guess, more recent year. I was gonna guess '97. '97. I, I have two for '97. Yeah, I think we did. Recent. Yeah, I think we did four for 2019. Because you know that's when we started. We'll probably get some more new releases. Yeah. Okay. Um. Similar question. Question three. What is our most represented decade? The 1990s. 1990s is second. 2000s? Uh, that's... 2010s. Oh, 2010s. Okay. We have done 18 movies from the 2010s. We've done 15 from the 90s. We've done 9 from the 2000s. Um, we really got to step it up with pre-80s, you guys. We have two from the 70s, one from the 60s, one from the 50s. Uh, one from the 30s, zero from the 40s. Totally dissing on the 40s. Uh, so point, Sean. Okay, question four. Uh, one of the most popular segments on this podcast is, of course, John's Rogues Gallery. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you guys remember what was the first movie where we did this category? Hmm. Training Day? It's Training Day. Oh, yeah. Fucking wow. yes! It was. Episode 15, Alonzo Harris, Training Day. King Kong doesn't have sh shit on him. <laughs> Whatever the line is, it's a good line. I had to go train it because I could not have told you his name was Alonzo Harris. Yeah, I would have accepted. I went with, yeah, I wouldn't have remembered that either. Okay, question five. Uh, so we've covered 17 films that have rotten scores on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> okay, Can you guys okay, guess okay. which film out of all the films we've done has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score? The Nutty Professor. It's not the Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor actually has a fresh rating. <laughs> Alright, Colin, you want to give uh, a guess? Uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Olympus Has Fallen is... Well, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight lower than Olympus Has Fallen. Oh, Alright, I'll give you... Now that you guys have both guessed, I'll give you a clue. Oh, I don't want to give you a clue, actually. I think you'll get it. Okay. Let's give, let's give another round of guesses. Looney Tunes back in action. Looney Tunes back in action is like uh, 16 out of the 17. So it's closer to the... It's what got a 57%. It's right. oh Remember that part with uh, Shaggy and like the cartoon version of Matthew Lillard? That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some good... That became all movies. Yeah, it was very, very prophetic. Um... How about Batman and Robin? Oh, Colin got it. Yes, Batman and Robin. Twelve percent. <laughs> uh, below, so easily, easily the lowest. Uh, surprisingly, next is Jupiter Ascending at twenty-eight. 
Uh, followed by Venom at 30%. <laughs> Forgot about Venom. <laughs> uh, this, this next one's just a bonus question. This isn't worth any points, but I just wanted to, if you guys could guess which of us has picked the most rotten movies. I feel like it's gotta you. be you. <laughs> you like the stickers. <laughs> Is this your pick as well, Sean? Yeah. Actually, Colin and I are tied. Oh, oh <laughs> shit. Colin and I have both picked six rotten movies. Sean's only picked three. Um, and then there's been two group picks that were rotten movies. I believe that was <laughs> Dune and... Uh, I don't remember what the other one was. It wasn't Rise of Skywalker, was it? Is that rotten? Uh, I think it. I think it might be. Sure. But um, yeah, but yeah, Colin and I are tied on that one. But yeah, not worth any points. Huh. Just okay. a little fun extra thing. Okay. So question six: Can you guys name an actor in the Three Timers Club? Al Pacino. Al Pacino. That's right. Irishman, Dick Tracy, Devil's Advocate. His three best films. <laughs> Uh, the other members that I at least wrote down, unless I'm missing some, are Hugh Bonneville, who was the first. Hugh Bonneville, the first. <laughs> uh, Jim Broadbent, uh, because I guess he was in, I don't even remember, he was in both Paddingtons, apparently. Yeah. According to my research, and he's in Cloud Atlas. Tom Hanks, because of Hanks uh, giving. William Hurt, uh, Dick Miller, and Robert Picardo, Al Pacino. Question seven. You guys name a director in the Three Timers Club. Joel Schumacher. Ugh. The Wachowskis. Those are both correct, but Colin was quicker on the draw. Uh, there's actually I've actually only have three total. Uh, the third one being Joe Dante, technically. Because uh... Looney Tunes back in action, the Burbs, and he directed the final day of Rock and Roll High School, which includes the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the dance sequence in the gym because Alan Arkish was just so exhausted from just how much it rocked. <laughs> we got a couple people who are close, though. Um, Roland Emmerich has two. Paul King, Paddington director, has two. Antoine Fuqua has two. Um, for training day, and what would have been... Oh, Olympus has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> the the That's worst why I... movie we've done. We gotta and watch Equalizer, first. you guys. Yeah. Gotta get more Antoine Fuqua on here. Okay, this one's gonna be a little harder to guess, I think. Okay. Can you guys okay. guess, for question eight, what is the longest episode? Mm. Longest episode? It's probably gonna take a lot of guesses. It, it'll make sense once you hear what it is. Yeah, I really... I don't know. Even though I am the one who edits these, <laughs> is it when we reviewed both Goosebumps movies? It's actually not. <laughs> it's a good guess, though. I didn't write down all. I only wrote down uh, the longest, and uh, for the my bonus question is the shortest. How about um, Love Actually? That had a lot of plots. Um, I think that's closer to the top, but it's not Love Actually. What about what I, about nineteen eighty four Dune? It's not 1984 Dune. I will say it is a more recent movie. Mm. Um, it is a 2010s movie. 
Uh, if I give any more clues, you're going to get it right away. <laughs> Anyone want to throw in throw in one more guess before I give my final clue that'll give it away? Um, the Irishman. Because it's the, <laughs> the longest Irishman. movie we've it's, watched. It is the longest movie we've watched. Yeah. Sean, you want to throw in one more guess before I give my clue? We did both Paddingtons also in one episode, I think. It's, yeah, but it's actually not both Paddingtons. Okay. <laughs> it was us and another person. Was it Rise of Skywalker? It's Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Two uh, hours and 12 minutes. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Our, and our, our bonus, I don't think you guys will guess this um, right away. It's our shortest episode. I'll just tell you it was a face in the crowd. That oh, makes sense. 40 se- 47 <laughs> minutes. I remember. Wow. Good I re- job. I remember getting hour. through everything I had for that and doing like a ton of research. And I was just like, you guys got anything to say? And you were like, mm. yeah, we're good. It's like, all right, I guess that's the episode. <laughs> I don't even know if we had little picks at that point. Maybe we did. I don't think we yeah, did. We the first, so, the first so, few yeah, episodes are among the shortest. Short first episode's like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, how many best picture nominees have we done on the pick? Uh, nominees. Okay. Um, best picture. Parasite is one. You can just throw out a number. But if you throw out a number, uh, then the other person gets a guess, or you get to guess again. <laughs> Four. It's not four. Sean? Three. Oh, it's three. You nailed um, it. Just Green Mile, Irishman, and Parasite. I thought it would be more. I I, I was like, for sure, I thought Training Day, but no, it, it didn't. Um, There's a couple others that got, you know, a good amount of Oscar nominations, but not, but not Best Picture. Just those ones. Parasite, I feel like we were on top of it. We, we covered that before. I mean, obviously people knew. There was already hype, but I feel like there hadn't been much discourse on it yet when we did our episode. That was yeah. one of the hardest ones because there wasn't a lot of things to take notes on. No, you just had to watch the movie and remember what you saw. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how the pros do it. Uh, my final question... This, what are the stakes right now? What are our scores? Okay, that's a, that's good. Question. I actually haven't been keeping track. For some reason, I was like, oh, they, they probably know. Um, <laughs> Colin got question one. Sean got two and three. And Sean got the rogues gallery one. And Colin got tomato score one. Colin got three timers. Four. That's four and four. Five. Oh, it's... I think it's... Wait, that can't be right. Is my math right? You can't be tied because it's the 10th question. Sorry, I'll give you one more shot at that. <laughs> so, Colin, you got question one. Sean got two and three. And Sean got four. And Colin got question five. And Colin got question six and seven. Colin got question eight. It's five. Four. I think was that Colin ahead by one. I think right. Yeah, Colin's at five and I'm at four. So Sean, if you get this and you tie, I win. <laughs> you win. <laughs> I like it. Weird stakes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is bullshit. I should. I. I have a backup question. But the thing is, my backup question. 
is so tailored to Colin. No, it's this is the only way it can go. I'm playing for John. <laughs> okay, and this is this is gonna be a fucking crapshoot. This last question. Yeah. Oh boy. Including this episode, how many episodes of the pick have we recorded? Oh, I already know the answer. I don't know. It's fifty-six. Mm, that's not what I have. Uh-oh. <laughs> I my math could be wrong, but I checked twice. But I could be wrong. Well, that's my guess. What's yours called? It seems like too many. <laughs> <laughs> we take a long time. Okay, so now I'm fucking scared. Now I'm scared that I got this wrong because Sean's was so confident. Mm, I don't know. Why did what were what made you so confident in, on 56, Sean? Because uh, I clicked on the tag on our website and it says there are 55 posts tagged to the pick. Mm, could they? Could some be mistagged? That could absolutely be the case. I'm gonna do a count right now. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rely on me tagging those posts accurately. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's somewhere I forget. God, no, okay, I came up with well, a different number. But you guys still didn't guess the number. Let's go with Price is Right. Who was closer without going over? Okay, my, my count was wrong, but you guys still weren't exactly right. What were your guesses again? Uh, I think Sean guessed 56, and I guess 50. And what was your guess, Colin? Okay, so I, I've done my math twice here. And it's different from the other two times I did my math. Uh, I originally had 60, but I think it's actually 59. Which would mean Colin is closer. Okay. Uh, so that would mean Colin wins, and Colin, you get the first pick. In the Criterion Draft, Sean, you'll go second. I will go third. Congratulations, gentlemen. Very close game. Very exciting. I, think I actually came out ahead by not getting that last question right. So good for, <laughs> good, good for me. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't, I didn't even think about what would have ha- who would have gone second if I would have gone first. I would have had to come up with a whole other... I guess it could have been the backup question, which was what famous singer had a cameo of the Duddy Professor? Oh, it was, uh... Montel Williams? Montel Jordan. But, uh... Montel Jordan. Yeah, I was gonna say it was one of those two. <laughs> I think Montel Williams, Williams is the host. He's like, a, he's like a daytime show. Yeah, I get those guys confused. <laughs> I mean, it's an uncommon name, and it's funny that there's two famous people named Montel. Also, are they both bald? They're both bald. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, good job, you guys. Uh, that's how that goes down, Criterion Month. I don't know when we'll do that podcast. Hopefully we get it out soon. That's yeah, usually a fun one. Week. Hopefully next week. Uh, I hope you guys got your picks we ready to go for that. We gotta get you know, it's so funny. We go to our our big fat Hawaiian wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I did Yo. all this prep because like if it's the 60th episode and I'm celebrating the 59th episode. Yeah. By my count, it's still just the 58th. 58. So <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to look at your list and compare it to mine. <laughs> see what went wrong. Well here's okay, so I don't want to list off every single episode. 
Because I have a list on my notes app on my phone where I break down every season. Mm. Um, so unless I missed an episode, which I always log the episode right after we no, do it. No, you're ahead of me because I, I have counting this 58 and you're saying it's 59. Yeah, because I said including so this episode. So there must be one that is maybe not tagged as the pick. Well, Sean, if you dig into it and find out that I fucked up uh, and that you demand a recount, or I don't know. We can we can talk about this. Maybe we can switch some shit around. I don't know. Uh, I whipped this up today. <laughs> uh, only a few hours before we started. You did a good job. So, uh, I could have made a mistake. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I hope to do something like this again when there's uh, more episodes. Yeah. I thought I would have more of an advantage because I listened to every episode twice. First recording it and then editing it, but it didn't really give yeah. me much of an edge because I don't really think about the episodes after I finish editing them. Yeah, and some of these aren't easy. Yeah. Um, the fact that Sean pulled out 1992 was pretty was pretty impressive. I mean, we have done uh, multiple 1992s it, within this season, so <laughs> it was a good guess. That's all I was going off of. Um, but I knew you'd be quick on the draw, Colin, for the three timers club ones. I I like to to keep tabs on that. Oh yeah, but That's I had fun. the OG Hugh Bonneville ready to go. Yeah. yeah, and Sean, you did get the Rogues Gallery one, which is a tough one, I think. It's pretty random because we've. It seems like we've done it forever. It's it's hard to believe there was a time where we weren't yeah. doing it. Yeah, like I was. I thought about the Invisible Man because he's such a classic villain, but it, it felt a little before his time. Well, <laughs> that was just uh, time. that was just three episodes later. Yeah, yeah. That was, I think okay. the, I think that was the third Rogues Gallery we did because I don't think we did one for uh, episode nine. I don't think we did one for Love Actually. <laughs> the so that would have been the third one. Love Actually? Oh, it's U.S. President. <laughs> yeah. Billy Bob Thornton is Billy Bob U.S. Thornton. President. That's no name. Yeah, yeah, no. It's a scumbag. Classic film. And we'll be talking about more classic films. Real classic films in a little bit. Why don't we do Criterion Month on MildlyPleased.com this July. Uh, you can check uh, out that out then and hear more about it in our next podcast where we'll be drafting Criterion movies. That'll be fun. And then we're going to go on a little break. I'm sure we'll be back sometime in August or September. Uh, but if you like what you heard, check us out um, wherever you find podcasts. Just search Mildly Please, and you can find all the episodes of The Pick. Um, it's all good stuff, and it's all Greek to me. Yeah, put some Windex on it. Mm-hmm.